Good morning again. Oh, are y'all sick? Oh, that was good morning. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was sick this week and it wasn't much fun, uh, but people were praying for me and I got better really quickly. I had uh, chills. My body just started feeling weak one day and then all of a sudden I started having chills and the fever and then uh, Carol sent out a prayer request and the next day I woke up and I, I was feeling a little better but still really weak and just slept most of the day. And then that night, I was feeling pretty good. And the next day, I was able to go to work. And in talking to other people, uh, they had some colds and some other sore things, um, sore throats related to it. And so I'm very thankful um, that I'm able to, to be here this morning and able to share with you about giving God our everything. You know, as we were talking with the children, uh, we were saying that, you know, we were different clothes for different occasions. And that's true for all things, right? There's one more piece of clothing that I didn't show them. Um, and just a sport coat, right? But we all have nice clothing that we wear. We all have clothing that we put over ourselves, and especially on nice occasions. And we might put on a suit or a super nice dress, and we want to put on our good jewelry, and we want to put on uh, different things that help us to look good. But, you know, even if we put on all those good things, but there's something wrong inside of us, then it doesn't matter what we wear. And there's something about our human nature that makes us want to hide. And a lot of times we fear that people will see what's inside of us. And so we, we wear these things on our outside, like we can smile, we can be really nice. But on the inside, we know that there's hurt, or there's loss, or there's pain, or there's anger. Or there's different things that we don't like ourselves that are inside. And God wants us to be honest about that with him. He doesn't want us to just put on a good face. He wants us to be people who share with each other, who care about each other, who let each other know that there's a sickness that we all have so that we can pray for each other. And so today, as we talk about what it means to give God everything, we're going to talk about giving God everything that might be on the outside of us, that we wear, that other people see, our actions that are visible to how we treat other people. To what's on the inside, our hearts, our attitudes, our thoughts, our desires, even our emotions. And God can take everything that we have and we can give everything to him. And that's the way that God continues to help us to grow in him and to grow stronger in him. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us now. Heavenly Father's. We dig into this passage, I pray that we would continue to hear your voice. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and with you and with each other. Help us, Lord, to to want to give of our very best to you, which means giving you everything. And Lord, help us to see how you treat us. Help us to see what your attitude is towards us, that we would know it's safe to give you everything that you are a powerful God, a good God. And so, Lord, speak to us. Each one. Right where we are. Right now. For we ask in Jesus. Amen. I think that when we think about what we want to give God... We might say something that we say to other people. 
Like when we tell other people, just do your best. Just do your best. And I think that in many cases, that's how we think that God wants us to come to him. We, want, we think that God wants us to come and give him our best. And there is a place where we do give God our best efforts. There is a place where we do give God our best energy, our best time. But I think it's so important, as Paul wants us to know here, that before we worry about giving God our best, we've made sure that we've given God our worst. You know, you can give God your worst and he can handle it. You know, other people may not be able to. There are certain things that I'm afraid to tell other people. But I do know that God knows what I'm thinking. I do know that God knows what my attitude is. I do know that God knows I want to punch that guy in the face. I may not do it, but God knows. And Paul here is letting us know that there are things in our lives that we would consider are the worst things about us, but God has a desire for us to get rid of them, and we can give them up to him. Earlier, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul had told us that we've died with Christ and our life is hidden with him. That means that we have died to the things of this world. But there's still things in the world that will attack us. And so Paul continues to use this metaphor of death to teach us how we should treat the things that are bad. So we see there in verse 5, the first word is put. Put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry. You know, we live in a sex-soaked culture. And there is so much that challenges us to live pure lives. And that's not just for men, but that's true for women as well. Because the world tells women what they're supposed to look like on the outside. Does the world tell us what we're supposed to look like on the inside? God wants us to be focused on what's on the inside. And yet, I know for myself, if I look on the inside, sometimes it doesn't look too good. And there are things in my life, and there are probably things in your life, too, where you feel like, you know, I'm just not doing well in this. I'm not very good. Paul felt that way. In fact, Paul felt like he was the worst of sinners. And you see that verse over in the top right-hand corner of your outline. It's in 1 Timothy and if you want a Bible, there's some Bibles in the middle aisle and people can pass them out. And uh, we'll be looking at some other verses. But 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a good verse to mark in your Bible. Because this is a promise what God can do in our lives. There are places that we may feel like, I'm just so bad. I'm the worst person. But God says, no. Even if you feel that way, there's something I can do. Just give me that which you consider the worst and I'll do something good with it. And so Paul says to Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him. And receive eternal life. God wants us to know. 
even through the life of Paul, that the worst person is not beyond salvation. The worst person isn't beyond having God's touch of love and becoming a better person. But we have to be honest with the things that are inside of us. We have to be honest and be willing to give those things up to God. That's what it means by put to death. It means give them up to God. Let God deal with them. Don't act on them. Let God destroy them inside of our hearts. So we can have these internal idols. Paul says there's five things here that can be like idols in our lives. There's sexual immorality. There's impurity and lust. And the word lust means to set the heart upon. And so lust isn't just something that's sexual. We can lust for money. We can lust for power. We can lust for attention. We can lust for different things that belong to this world. We can lust for approval. We can lust for wanting people to do things our way. We can lust for power and control. And God says, give that up. See, that's what's on the inside of us. These are things that God would have us to know that he wants us to be rid of. Because if we don't, then his wrath will have to deal with that. And we want to face his wrath. The Bible says very clearly, you used to walk in these ways. So we are forgiven. We used to walk in these ways. But if we didn't stop, the wrath of God would come. A lot of times we don't like to think about the wrath of God. But you know, if God is good, then God is holy. And if God is holy, then God will be angry. God will be angry at things that are wrong. We live in a world where we see things happening, even here in Orange County in the last month. We've had two national news items that have dealt with evil and men killing other men and women just randomly for no good reason. We live in this evil world. And so God, in his wrath, will deal with that kind of treatment of people to people because God is good and because God is loving. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. And we're going to look at three verses, Psalm chapter 78, verses 37 to 39. Psalm 78, 37 to 39. And God speaking to his people here, people who haven't been obeying him, people who have done their worst, and this is what he says to them. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant, yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that we were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. God has compassion on us. He knows the weakness of our flesh. And so he wants us to know that he hasn't used his full wrath. Someday he will. But now we are people. We are new people if we are believers. We used to do these things and we don't want to do them anymore. In Romans chapter 6 verse 10, you have that verse on your outline on the left hand side. It tells us how we are to look at the things that tempt us in this world. How we should look at these things that are the temptations that brood brood within our souls. Would you read with me chapter um, 6 verses 10 and 11 of Romans? Let's read that together. 
says, when he died, he died once to the pow- break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. And so God wants us to look at the things that are bad, the things that we used to do as things that are now dead. We don't have to live to them. We don't have to do them. Our insides are new. And now that our insides are new, it's just like when we clothe our children. You know, we usually bathe them first. We want them to be clean before we put on clothes. And that's what God wants us to do. He cleanses us. But then if there's any dirty clothes, he wants us to take it off. In verse 8 he says, but now you must rid. And that word rid means to put off, to cast off, to take off. And he says, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Now, these are the things that when we don't deal with happens on the inside, they come out on the outside. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And so God wants us to take off these things. When we've dealt with the inside, then the outside will also begin to show the things that are happening. When we get rid of the bad things and we take off these other things. You know, how many of you, um, like when you, 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 you see a spider or something, you just sort of go, ooh, that's me. You know, or a bug. Ooh. You know, and so, you know, if it, you ever walk somewhere where it's dark and you feel a spider web on your face, and you ugh, right? You're just like, ugh, you just like, you can't get it off fast enough. That's what God wants us to do. To take off would be like that. It'd be like when we instinctively deal with a spider or deal with a bug or we feel a spider web. We instinctively want to get it off of us. That was hap- that's what happens. We want to take off. Take off these dirty clothes. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live in a way where we are doing the things he wants. And he will help us. But it's okay. And it's good to give God our worst because he can handle it and change it and turn it into that which is good. God also wants us to give him our will. And that's the second point of today's message. God wants us to give him our will. Let me read again verses 10 through 13. And it says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free. But God, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so we see another put right here. The first put was put to death. But this put is to put on. So we've taken off those other clothes that are bad. And now we begin to put on the clothes that God wants us to have. And the picture of putting on clothes is the picture of our will. 
Just like when we choose clothes for our children, we choose our will to dress them. God chooses his clothes to dress his children. He wants us to know that there is a new type of clothing he wills that we wear. In the book of John, at the very end of it, in John chapter 21, and you can turn there, the last chapter of John, we have the story of Peter. And, and Peter, this is after the resurrection. And this is after Peter is being restored to Jesus. He's denied Jesus three times, famously denied him. And three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? And three times Peter says, Lord, I love you. And this is Peter's commitment. We might call it his recommitment. It was his renewal. It was his restoration back to God. And after he had made that restoration and that commitment, and Jesus saw it in his eyes and knew it in his heart, that Peter meant business with him. And that now Peter was giving himself totally to Jesus. Then Jesus says this to Peter in John chapter 1. I'm sorry, John chapter 21, verse 18. And there Jesus says to Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And the picture of being dressed there is a picture of will. Peter had his will. He could dress himself as he wished while he was free. But someday... He would be arrested for Jesus. He would be stripped and they would put other clothes on him. And his will would no longer be free to do what it wants. And now Jesus is saying to us, you too are to give me your will. You are to clothe yourselves with me. That's the clothes that Jesus wants us to put on. This is the renewal of what God gives to us. In Romans chapter 13 verse 14. It says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so Jesus is saying, you know, within ourselves there's a desire, there's a temptation. But I want you to clothe yourself with me. This is your new clothes. This is your renewal. When I first got married, um, you know, you're getting to know each other. You're getting to know each other's habits. And you're getting to see what each other prefers. And so Carol uh, was talking to me one day about my preference of clothes. And, um, and so she said to me, you, you should go shopping, um, which was a hint. Okay. And, um, and I said, well, why? And she goes, you, you need some new clothes. And I said, well, I like these clothes. I, I, they're comfortable. You know, I've had them for a long time. I don't need new clothes. And then she said, well, yeah, but you don't have to look at you. And, and I thought about that. Now, she said it much more sweetly than that. You know. But you don't have to look at you. That's a good thought. See, other people are looking at us, and that's what God says counts. God is looking at us. And that's what counts. And so he says, I want you to put on these clothes. And here the word put on in verse 10 means sinking into a garment. Isn't that beautiful? Put on these clothes, sinking into a garment. It's like putting on something that just fits you. And you look in the mirror and you go, that looks really good on you. 
and you know that this is clothes that was meant for you. It feels right. It fits just right. It looks good. You look good. And other people say so too. And so God wants us to put on this clothes. And he wants us to know that this is what makes him proud of us. It makes us feel good of ourselves as well. He says that we can continue to grow on the inside through knowledge. He says that this is the knowledge that I want you to have. We're looking there. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. He wants us to have the knowledge that we are God's chosen people, verse 12. He wants us to know who we are. When we know who we are, then we don't have to put on shows. When we know who we are, then we can do the things that we are made to do. And God says, who you are is a chosen person. And who you are is a holy person. See, you're not that worst person you thought you were. You're a holy person. You're a person of character. You're a person that's been set apart and dedicated to God. You're a person who is holy. And you're a person who is dearly loved. And when we know that we're dearly loved on the inside, then our behavior begins to change again on the outside. And so then Paul has this other list now of things that we put on on the outside. These are the things that people see. These are our actions. They are compassion and they are kindness and they are humility and gentleness and patience. These are the clothes that God wants us to wear. These aren't easy as our children helped us to understand because our natural inclination is to beat other people up. Our natural inclination is somebody says something bad to me, I say something bad to you. Our natural inclination is to react to other people and not keep quiet. Our, our natural reaction is to make the fire worse, not to put the fire out. You know, we talk about clothes with children, and, and I'm sure that none of these children, if you ask them what they wanted for Christmas or the birthday, would say, first, I want clothes, right? The first thing they'll say is, I want toys. I want toys. But you know your child is growing up when they want clothes, right? You know your child's growing up when they stop asking for toys and say, you know what I really like is I like some clothes, you know, some really cool clothes. And that's the same thing true for Christians too. When we stop asking God for our toys, when we stop asking God for the things that we want, then God knows we're mature and maturing. And so he allows us to go in those situations where we know we need to put on some new clothes. And so he lets us go through some pretty rough times with people, some pretty rough incidences, some pretty difficult situations that try our patience. And not just with people, but with things that happen in our life. We have so little control in our lives. But God says you can have self-control by giving control over to me, asking me, instead of reacting to that situation, asking me to put on the clothes of compassion, to put on the clothes of kindness, to put on the clothes of humility. God, help me in this situation to be gentle. Help me in this situation to be patient. The word is long-suffering. 
God, help me. Help me to be this kind of person. And Paul says that if you are, then you'll be a person in verse 13 who bears with each other. And the word bears means to carry, but it also means to stop, to refrain. To mean, it means that we are not acting based upon our instincts and our flesh. We're acting after we hear from God. We're giving up control. We're giving our will over to God. Um, there's this new commercial that I've heard. At least it's been new to me, and it's a, a commercial for a um, luxury car. And you've probably heard the commercial. But their key statement at the end of the commercial is, the ultimate expression of power is control. The ultimate expression of power is control. I think that's so true, both in bad ways and good ways. Is we want power, so we want control. But on the good side, if we give up control to God, then we get power. And God wants us to know that's the ultimate way of exercising our will. The ultimate power that you and I have is to give up our will to God and do what he wants us to do. So God wants us to give him our worst. God wants him. God wants us to give him our will. And thirdly, God wants us to give him our word, even as he has given us his word. You know, when you say to somebody, will you give me your word? What you're asking is, will you give me all of yourself and tell me you're telling the truth? Will you give me your word? In other words, will you do what you say you're going to do? And this is what God asks of us, that if we're going to give him everything, that we give him our word. Because he's given us his word. And we see that in verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. God wants us on the inside to have the word of Christ. And that's a synonym for Jesus. That God wants us to have him controlling us. And he says that the greatest thing, as we showed the children, was to wrap over everything that we wear, this love. This deep affection that chooses to do what's right for other people, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what our instincts are. We choose to act in love. And when we do that, it binds all these other ones together, patience and kindness and goodness. And it binds us in unity. It's not only what makes a person, it's what makes a family. It's not only what makes a family, it's what makes a church. It brings us together. It makes a community. So God wants us to give up everything to him. It doesn't mean we're left alone. It actually means we're more fully embraced in community. Because we've given of ourselves to God who gives of us to others. So that his peace will be shared with other people. It will be his peace that rules in our hearts. It will be his peace that gives us strength to handle the problems of life. It's his peace that comes when we give up power and our will to him. And we let him rule. The word rule means to umpire. When we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. 
It means we let the peace of Christ be the umpire of our hearts. And it comes from an athletic picture. And so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying inside of you and inside of me and inside of us as people in our inner relationships, there's conflicts, there's tensions. But before they explode, before you take off the clothes and put on the boxing gloves, do this. Let the peace of Christ umpire the situation first. Let Jesus determine how you should react. Let him be the ruler in the situation. Let him dwell deeply in you. The word of Christ. The word of Christ is Jesus. And the word of Christ is also the scriptures. They all point to Jesus. And as we read these passages in Colossians, God is telling us that Jesus wants to live his life through us. He wants to live inside of us. And he wants us to be rich. Have you ever been inside of a rich home that's not yours? Because <laughs> we all live in rich homes. Have you ever gone on one of those tours where, you know, they say, you know, you pay $10 and you go visit people's homes and you, you see these, how these rich people live or you walk around Balboa Island? I mean, how many of you people leave your windows open so people can look inside, right? But if you walk on Balboa Island at night, they leave their windows open so people can look inside, you know? They want, to see, they want you to see what they've got, right? And so this is what God is saying about us. He's saying, you know, I want you to know you're rich. And I live inside of you. And that's what makes that richness. So I want you not to be afraid to open up. And let people see the beauty that's inside of you. Let people see the luxury of Christ in you. Let his love and his peace flow through you. And then let it be celebrated on the outside in community. Let it be celebrated as we help each other to grow. Let it be celebrated from person to person. Paul says, as you teach and admonish one another. So he's going from the inside to the outside now. So that when the love of Christ is on the inside and the peace of Christ is controlling us and the word of Christ is dwelling richly within us, that when we open up our windows and we open up our doors, we begin to teach our children the ways of God. We begin to teach each other the ways of love. We begin to admonish each other in the way that is right. We have wisdom. And then we sing. We sing God's word in the Psalms. We sing hymns. We sing spiritual songs. And it results in gratitude. It results in thanksgiving. Have you been thankful this week? Thankful for all that God's given to you? Have you been thankful for the way that he's brought you into a place where you can continue to be here right now and to grow in the word of God? To grow in the grace of God? He wants us to know that the best way to live, the best way to get everything that you were made to receive is to give everything that you are to God. To give your whole life to him will make your life whole. To give your whole life to him will make you a whole person. Paul concludes this portion in verse 17, and he says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
I don't know if it's still a real popular saying, but it was when I was a youth, and that was when you didn't want to do something or you didn't know if you wanted to do, you just say, well, whatever. You know, you want to go here? Well, whatever. What do you want to do this? Whatever. Yeah, your kids might say that to you, and, and that means that they don't want to do it, right? Will you clean up your room? Whatever. Will you do like the trash out? Oh, whatever. Are you listening to me? Whatever. Now God says, I want you to take whatever and give whatever is on your heart to him. To give whatever you feel is worst in your life to him. And to know that he forgives it. To give your will, whatever you are struggling with, wherever there's this internal conflict, wherever you need the umpire of Christ, to give that up to him. Whatever. Whatever is your word. Wherever you've made a vow. Wherever you've made a genuine promise. Wherever you've heard something that you've once said, you know, God, I want to do what you ask me to do. Maybe even right now. You want to give him your word again. And not only your word, but you want to give him your words again. See, our words tell other people what's in our heart. God wants us to use our words wisely. But he wants our words to be wise and to bless other people. It's our words that reveal whether or not we're keeping our word. It's the way we use the things we say that either bless or hurt, either build up or tear down others. And God wants us to give our word to him that we will use our words for him. To give our word to him that our words will honor him. To give our word to him that our words will be used to bless other people. And so as you think of these words, what is God saying to you? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, whatever means everything. And God, we want to give you everything. And so everything we do, whether in word or deed, Lord, we want to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And pray for each heart. Even right now, as they think of whatever is going through their mind. Place of guilt. You cleanse it. A place of conflict, uncertainty, difficulty. You promise to take care of it. Our words and our word. You promise to seal it. And so, Lord, our life is a gift. And the greatest gift that we can give to you is to give this gift back. And so, Lord, we give you our everything as you've given everything to us. In Christ we pray. Amen.